0: Morning siblings, brothers and sisters and friends. Welcome home. Welcome home one another. All right? hi team. Everyone serving, everyone joining us online. Welcome to a free community church Sunday service. Right, before we start for the day, right? Before we come into the sacred space, as we are coming into the sacred space, I'd like to invite all of us to just greet one another, acknowledge one another and see one another. All right? Hi. And especially those online, right just give a shout out to us right, so that you know like let's start the day with sharing the peace with one another. Today we come into a community as we before we come to go, go to, to call to worship, I'd like to invite all of us right to just grow ourselves in this space, especially those of us right, getting ready for the life worship. let's set our hearts and our minds into this sacred space, right and remember that this very moment, where we are, we are coming to attend this liturgy. This work is also a celebration of life. We are coming together because we celebrate love. The love we have for God, for ourselves, for one another. And remember that We are doing this not out of obligation, but because we are the children of God. And with a heart full of love, I invite all of us, those who are able and willing, to rise in body and in spirit to respond to the call to worship. Drawn by God's presence, we We gather. gather. Inspired by God's Spirit, we, we worship. worship. Empowered by God's grace, We're we live. We are community, embraced by, by the mystery of God's, God's love for, for all, all creation. creation. We are a community that looks for the light of Christ, the light a light that shines in every, every, time, every time, every place, and every life. Within this dynamic community, we foster connections and experiences that bring meaning to life and help us face the issues of the day. Together, Together we we strive strive to to live with with loving hearts, hearts, open minds, and hands extended extended to to home. Welcome home. Amen. Amen. Now I hand the time over to our worship team who is faithfully serving us today and leading us into a secret space to celebrate love and encountering God
1: church um, as we continue to rise if we are willing and able um, let us take this time to proclaim our gratitude for um, and our willingness to partake in this kingdom of God together
2: of man, you were here before the world began, above all kingdoms, above all thrones, above all wonders the world has ever known, above all wealth and treasures of the earth. No way to measure what you're worth Crucified Laid behind a stone You lived to die Rejected and alone Like a rose Trampled on the ground You took the fall of me. And alone, like a rose, trampled on the ground, you took the fall and thought of me crucified, laid behind a stone, you lived to die, rejected.
3: Did the Holy One give thanks Because He's given Jesus Christ His Son
1: the best of job, soul I have of worth. I break it at your feet, low It's less than you deserve. You're far more beautiful, more precious than the oil. Some of my desires and fullness of my joy, like you spilled. Like you spilled your blood, I spilled
4: my heart as an offering to my king. Here I am, take me.
1: all I have of worth I lay it at your feet alone it's less than you deserve though I've laid a strength and though my days are few you gave your life for me so I will live my life for you
4: like you spilled your blood I spilled my heart as an offering to She
1: Days are few. You gave your life for me. I will live my life for you. Let's just think about these words. Though I've laid the strings, though my days are few. your life for me, I will live my life for you. Worthy, worthy, you are worthy. Worthy, yes, the Lord. let us be our prayer. Worthy, worthy, no matter what our circumstances are, worthy, and as the winter is coming, we also think of new life that is blooming.
4: Worthy, worthy. Wow.
5: Um, for those of you who know Molly, um, she has now entered into um, a CC hospice. Uh, the doctor gave her a about two and a half months. She's well. She's not in pain. Um, I give thanks uh, for all the prayers and for God's grace um, that um, she's probably the only cancer patient I know who is not in pain in, at this stage. Um, and... Um, those of you who know her, um, if you do, drop by and visit. Um, you can find out more information at fcc.li/molly uh, because we have set up a sort of a roster so that you know not everyone go at the same time. And for those of you who like to bring food, um, she really appreciate that. And then we have a wish list of the things that she like to eat. Um, and, you know, she's, uh, she's very wise, you know, she's uh, she, you know, Cantonese for um, greedy, you know, um, greedy? Mm, I think greedy is not the right word, you know, she likes food. Okay. So we would like to pray for her, um, but also um, tomorrow is Transgender Day of Remembrance. And Transgender Day of Remembrance is a day that um, we commemorate, um, the lives um, of transgender people who have been lost um, through violence um, in the past year. For 2023, from 2022 November to um, October 2023, 320 people, transgender people, reported to have been um, victims of violence. Whether they were murdered because of who they who they were, uh, we want to lift them up as well. Uh, We want to lift up for a world where there's no more violence, Um, there's no more people being killed uh, because of who they are, and also for a world where everyone is treated with love, everyone is seen as a human being with dignity, and that's the world that we pray for and we want to work towards. I follow um, a chaplain in the U.S. Um, He's a Korean-American. His name is J.S. Park, and I I love his reflections. And this is one of his most recent reflections, and I'll share that with you before we pray. He wrote, I saw four deaths at the hospital in a single shift. I wept all day with families. How many deaths have I seen in the last eight years? Dozens, hundreds, over a thousand lifetimes. I never forget them. In my dreams, I see them. Elders, teens, babies. Babies small enough for my palm. My God, I love my patients, their families. I give them my heart, all of it. I never, ever get used to it i will never forget the sound of families wailing every single loss belongs to someone you read the news today and you see so much loss no loss is abstract up close they are our loss please friend don't go don't grow cold please friend We belong to each other. Every single loss belongs to someone. Lately, I've been asked what I do for self-care. I'm honestly not really sure. I see death every week, death overseas. Trying to do life too, it's a lot. There is a typical answer, Diet, sleep, exercise, therapy, medication, community, nature, it helps. But sometimes I think these are the ways, these are just ways to tolerate a world we should not tolerate. Self-care seems like an extension of a world machine. So I don't know. I just feel everything. It hurts. I fall apart. I cannot give a soundbite answer. I've said it before. Praying for a world where we don't need heroes just to live. Don't need resilience just to survive. Don't need tragedy just to care. Don't need self-care just to tolerate capitalism. Don't need vigilance just to keep progress. Don't need to shout for our dignity. Till then, Shouting. So whether it is looking in the news about the people killed in wars or violence or the transgender people who passed away in the past year and past years, they look like digits to us. But each loss is real and each loss is someone's loss. So let us pray. God, may our hearts not be calloused, not be hardened, because our hearts are meant to be broken, like the bread on this table, meant to be broken so that your love can pour through. We lift up all the brokenness in the world We lift up all the 320 souls of transgender people who have suffered from violence, from hate, and so many more who suffer still from prejudice and discrimination who are just trying just to survive, who are discriminated at work and discriminated even finding work. We pray for a world where we know what love is, and all are beloved, no matter how different we are. We lift up all the violence and all the wars in the world. As I said before, there is no sides to take but the side of the suffering. May we know all the lives lost, in that brutality, in that mindlessness, in that nonsensical violence. We yearn for a world of peace. A world where we understand each other's loss. And we, when we understand each other's loss, then we will not inflict suffering and pain on each other anymore. And God... We lift up all the people in this community in the different seasons of our lives, whether we are in a season of celebration or a season of grief. We know you are with us and we want to give thanks with all that we are. And finally, we give thanks for your grace and love for Molly and how she has journeyed through, and how she's still with us today. When we first got the news of the cancer, we were worried. But she's with us, not in pain. So God, we want to pray for her. And we want to ask that she may spend Christmas with us, May we celebrate with her in this community, her family. So, God, hear our prayers, the prayers of our hearts, and minister to us, God. We give thanks. Amen.
6: good morning, everyone. Um, Thanks, Pastor Miyak, for the prayer. I think, to me, it's been uh, feeling a lot of feels today. (laughs) I think the songs, just thinking about our days are few, thinking of Molly's um, life and how she's going through. So I'm just kind of still feeling that, um, but also feeling thankful in the midst of that uh, for God's presence with us. And so, My name is David, I'm honored to be speaking to you today, and uh, we are currently in a sermon series called Everyone. So this sermon series is about who we are as a community, uh, what kind of community God is calling us to be. And today's topic is actually going to be a pretty difficult one, because we're gonna be talking about what kind of community we are when it comes to money. Okay, so as usual, uh, we will be on Menti, invite you to take out your phone, um, scan this QR code or go to fcc.lee/menti so you can participate in the sermon. And actually, today I would especially like to invite everyone to do it. I know not sometimes not everyone does it, but today, please, if you are willing to do it, just take out your phone. Everyone can raise up their phones. No phone, okay. Well, if you don't have a phone, then sorry about that. <laughs> but for those of you who are watching online, you have a computer with you, please jump in. I think uh, today will be, we'll get, you'll get the most out of it if we all participate today. For those of you who don't have a phone, how are you living in this society? <laughs> how, are you, how are you paying? Okay, well, maybe, all right. But for everybody else, please do join in. Okay, so... Uh, We don't often speak about money, okay? This is a very tough topic. It's sensitive. Uh, In fact, I've been at FCC about seven years, and I don't recall hearing a single sermon on money ever since I came here. I don't know if any of you remember one, but it's actually very difficult for pastors to preach on this because people question their motives, right? Because half of what our church collects actually goes towards their salaries. But we do need to talk about money because it's such a huge part of our lives, and it's a major topic in the Bible. It's something Jesus talked about very often. And so I'm not a pastor here, I'm just a board member. I don't draw my salary from the church, so I say, okay, I will take the risk and preach about this today. Okay? And so the other reason at FCC we avoid this topic is because it's been so often misused in religious contexts. I'm sure we all know of examples of pastors, both overseas and even locally, who have enriched themselves with fancy cars, expensive homes, and private jets. Here's one. Guy says, God says, I need a plane. Donate $54 million so I can have a plane. So so often this wealth, right, it comes from their followers who are maybe working-class people, but they're manipulated with promises of windfall financial returns from God. It's like tapping into people's innate greed, as if God is like some kind of cosmic hedge fund. You know, you sow this seed, God gives you back a thousand times returns. But, and this is like sort of related to the prosperity gospel. You may have heard of that term. And this is a message that God wants you to be financially blessed and physically well. And all you need is more faith, positive speech, and donating more. And that will increase your material wealth. I mean, maybe some of you have come from churches where they actually did say things like that, right? So, but I think if we think about it, right? This message doesn't really reflect Jesus' message of blessed are the poor and his own example of living a sacrificial life. So, that's why we—it's a bit hard to talk about it because some of us may have come from churches where there was emotional manipulation, or maybe you felt guilted or coerced into giving. Or maybe tithing was mandatory. And these practices may have traumatized you, maybe just really turned you off, and already you're starting to feel suspicious, like what is he going to ask us for more money, right? So I get it. I get it. Okay. At FCC, one of our values is by invitation, not by coercion. And that's why we've been hesitant to speak on this, because there are so many ways we can get this wrong. So please pray with me. Dear God. As we get into this difficult topic and what your word says about it, may you protect everyone here from any feelings of guilt or feelings of coercion. Protect us from the idea that we can ever buy your blessing. May we know you as a loving parent who loves us all unconditionally. And may this sermon be an invitation to inspire each of us to trust you more and to find the joy of the true riches you give us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let's start with a question to check how we're feeling when it comes to money. And this is why I was hoping everyone will do the mentee here, because I think um, as a congregation, right, we all want to, uh, you know, contribute to how we feel. Okay, so it's totally anonymous, all right, <laughs> completely anonymous. So that, I hope, lets you be super, super honest With yourself, okay? Don't just think about what you're thinking in church, okay? Think about how you feel outside church so that this accurately reflects who we are as a congregation. So yeah, here's the question. How do you feel about your wealth when it comes to your assets and your income? Are you happy with your level of wealth? You would like to be wealthier or you actually believe you are too wealthy? So far, we've got, what, 30-something responses. I think we could do better. There's probably more than 30 people here. (laughs) Let's all do it, so we can see how we're doing. Okay, 13 people satisfied. 28 would feel like, yeah, I could use a little more. Three feel very, very satisfied. Okay, I think it's sort of stabilizing here. So we have 45 responses. Thank you to all those who responded. For those online, I hope you're also responding. Okay, so um, this is, I guess, actually it's pretty typical. So about, let's say about 50%, um, actually more than that. It's about 60% would like to be wealthier. And about 30% are happy. A small amount, maybe 10%, are, uh, feel very, very satisfied. So let's see how this compares to Singapore. So this, there was a study done by St. James Place Asia. They surveyed 1,000 affluent Singaporeans. Okay, um, these are all affluent people. Okay? And out of these people, 38% were happy, 42% want to be wealthier, and 19% believe they were too wealthy. And overall, 55% of Singaporeans do not consider themselves to be financially wealthy. So I guess that's sort of fairly similar to where we are as a congregation. Um, In fact, I think less of us believe we are too wealthy here. (laughs) But maybe that's because those thousand people were affluent. Anyway, I I, I talk about this because in our world today, money, wealth, and status is still the primary measure of success. I think even though we don't talk about it openly, there's subconscious messaging. It comes from all sides, from the news, from our parents, friends, and especially advertising and social media, right? It's all about selling us the idea that we don't have enough, and we need more to be happy. And when I was young, this was in the 90s, people would talk about the five Cs. It was called, uh, it was the Singapore dream, you know, cash, credit card, car, condominium, and country club membership. And this was supposedly when you've made it, you know, you have these. But this has actually changed over the years. So in a recent survey by this business app, Tiger Hall, they asked 1,000 white-collar workers between 21 and 60 what was important to them. And they had another different five Cs. It was cash, career, cultural proficiency, which is interesting. That actually meant like how, how broad is your worldview through travel and so forth. Credibility, are you trusted by the people around you and online? And convenience, having products and services easily in reach. Okay, so these. Condo, credit card, and car, they all fell down to 30%. Country club membership, 3%. Nobody cares about that anymore. (laughs) But the interesting thing is the top thing is still cash, right? Nothing has changed. And on this topic, the Bible has a lot to say because back in Jesus' time, it hasn't also changed that much. Cash is still at the top. And it's a major theme in the Bible because cash is one of the main things that competes with God's place in our heart. Because right? we, you know, the Bible says we need to keep God the first in our heart. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And so Matthew six twenty four says, Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So Jesus understands okay, that money can easily take over our heart, the God's place in our heart. And it gives us, money gives us a sense of security and control, right? which is actually what we should be looking to God for. And it affects our priorities, our actions, and how we make decisions. It's what we think about in the morning. It's what keeps us awake at night. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we've all been there. Right? And so um, in Paul's, one of Paul's letters, he writes, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Now, this verse is often misquoted. It didn't, the Bible didn't say money is the root of all evil. It said the love of money is the root of all evil. And so money on its own is not necessarily a bad thing. It's actually something God provides to us. But it's when we love it too much, it messes us up on the inside, right? So it's the root. It causes all kinds of other brokenness inside us. And even back in the Old Testament, okay, this was written by King Solomon, who was known as the world's richest guy. Okay, He's the Elon Musk, the Jeff Bezos of the ancient world in 1000 BCE. And he wrote, whoever loves money never has enough whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income the sleep of a laborer is sweet whether they eat little or much but as for the rich their abundance permits them no sleep i have seen a grievous evil under the sun wealth hoarded to the harm of its owners right so what he's trying to say is and i think he personally experienced it himself you know is that more wealth can ironically lead to more discontentment and more anxiety. And one of the early church fathers, this guy was called St. Cyprian of Carthage, 300 AD, he wrote, the property of the wealthy holds them in chains. Okay, and he goes on to say other things. He says, they are not the masters of their money, but its slaves. Right, and that's very interesting. I guess, actually that's something worth pondering about, right? How does money hold us in chains? So, if you can get on Menti again, this one's a word cloud. What are some ways that money can hold us in chains? Just looking for your input here. Greed, mortgages, fear of losing money, always wanting more, your discontentment, Comparing with others, yeah, debts, insurance, insurance is not necessarily a bad thing, but it, uh, more, 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 no work-life balance, yeah, totally, anxiety, exploitation, affects relationships, selfishness, loans, inconvenience, maintaining a high lifestyle, want family commitments, addiction, worry, fear of loss, yeah. Freedom of time or lack of thereof, FOMO, 9 to 5 job, indulgence and evil, ways to judge others, hmm, parsimonious, wow, that's a very cheam word there, uh, okay, great, 38 responses there, awesome, inferiority, that's true, judging ourselves actually. Uh, Anxious, yeah, so I think we see the themes coming up here, Um, on the blockchain, (laughs) I don't know if that's necessarily bad or good, no work-life balance, yeah, so some of the things, yeah, thank you for all your answers, and so we can see, yeah, wealth can, although it's wealth can be a good thing, it can also be a horrible master, right, it can enslave us, and so there are some ways I was thinking that actually been talked about here, where we can be entrapped by wealth. So one way is debt, right? So we can over take on too much debt, whether it's loans or credit cards, mortgages, and then you feel trapped because you're trapped into a cycle of monthly payments which can restrict your other goals. High cost of living, okay, we live in a very expensive country in a very expensive society. Uh, we have to pay for housing, utilities, expenses, and so, so much of our income gets consumed into that, we maybe don't even have enough to save, you know? Uh, There's a term called golden handcuffs. Golden handcuffs means like you have a very well-paying job, but you don't really like it. It's horrible, work-life balance, anxious and all that. But the fear of losing that income or the perks, right, make you feel like you have to stay there. You're stuck in that job. I definitely have been there. Excessive consumerism. So yeah, you see other people living the dream, going traveling, living a life. And you, know, you feel like, yes, I need to do that too. I need to chase after the latest trends, goods. Uh, but then you just keep spending and spending and spending. And then after a while, the thing you buy is not very satisfying anymore. You've got to go out and buy another thing. And then social expectations. Uh, you, know, you see other people or social pressure to maintain a certain standard of living and to keep up with others. And that also leads you to overspend. So these are just a few ways that money can keep us in chains. And um, it's very easy for us to do that, because we live in a society and culture that actually emphasizes consumption, accumulation, and overwork. I think that's something very endemic to Singapore. And it's actually unhealthy for our well-being and our spiritual life. And this is why Jesus talks about it, because Jesus cares about our well-being and our spiritual life, and he knows money is dangerous. So what then shall we do? How can we have a healthy relationship with our money? So I want to talk about three principles to put money in its right place. Okay, the first principle is called stewardship. So stewardship, a steward is like a modern-day financial manager. They are entrusted to manage the property of another and make sure it's being invested in the best interest of the owner. And Jesus talks about it in this parable. He says, Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the right times. Blessed is that servant whom the master will find doing so when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will set him over all that he has. Right? So this, we are God's stewards because all of creation belongs to God. In fact, if you think back to Genesis, one of the very first things God ever said to human beings is to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And so what God is basically saying is God has created this earth and you as God's image bearers have to go out and be fruitful, multiply and have subdue it and have dominion over all things. But subdue and dominion, right? We think about it, we think yeah, okay, we can control it, we can dominate it, but that's not what it means in the Bible. In Hebrew, this word subdue actually means to cultivate to bring something to order. And to have dominion means to have responsibility, to manage it and steward it. So what God is saying here is that all these creations, all these resources i put into the earth and given to you, you have the responsibility to cultivate and steward them in the same pattern as God does. And so on a global scale, this means we have a collective responsibility to look after our natural environment, And on a personal level, we're entrusted with a portion of God's property to manage for God. And we get to enjoy what God has given us. But we need to have the mindset that it doesn't belong to us to use and abuse for our own gain. It's actually for us to use for God's purposes. And it's so easy to believe that our wealth comes from our own effort and hard work and that somehow we deserve it because we are worthy. And this is part of the illusion of meritocracy. Okay, meritocracy is a very Singaporean word as well. But I say it's an illusion because meritocracy assumes that we all start on a level playing field. Right? But we all know that's not true. Some have more opportunities. Some start further ahead. Right? So it's not like everyone started together and then those who excelled deserved it more than those who did not. Because the game is rigged. The game is rigged from the start, right? And so the Bible reminds us that even the ability to produce wealth comes from God. It's not just our abilities and qualifications, because a lot of these developed due to circumstances beyond our control. We didn't choose the time and the place we were born. We didn't choose our family, our upbringing, and the people in our lives who invested in us. So Paul writes, "For Who makes you different than anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did not receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? Okay, and in the Old Testament, uh, Moses was speaking to the people in Deuteronomy, and he says to them, You may say to yourself, My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember, the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth." So we need to remember that all we have, including our abilities, ultimately comes from God and is also for God, not just for us. So we should be asking God, what can I do with all that you have given me? So a bit of a story here. When I first graduated from college in America, I worked for about a year and I was able to save up to buy a used car. It was the one on the left side. uh, And it was an old Nissan Altima, very, very old, broke down quite a lot. Sometimes in winter, you can't even start it, like, you know, it won't start. But for me, it was a wonderful, wonderful thing. And I remember at the time, I said to myself, this is God's car, not my car. So I used to give people rides to church, rides to the airport, or when they're moving house, I'll go and help them. And some of these rides turned out to be wonderful opportunities for deep conversation. And even though the car is long gone, the memories and the friendships remain with me to this day. So I share that just as an example, like when God gives you resources and you are able to use them for God, not only you bless others, you too are blessed through that, right? And, and the, that resource is actually multiplied like loaves and fishes, you know? It's a small thing, it becomes a big thing. So this is kind of part of uh, what Pastor Miyak was talking about two weeks ago about decentering, which means we, we focus on centering our priorities on Jesus and move away from focusing on ourselves. And so I found that, yeah, God can actually do so much with what we offer to God. So that was the first principle, which we call stewardship. Now, the second principle is contentment. So in 1 Timothy, uh, Paul writes, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. So contentedness, right? It's a state of mind. It's a great gain. And the opposite of contentedness is Singapore's national persona, Kiasu. okay? So su, to those who are maybe not from Singapore, it means to be afraid of losing. It's actually two words, afraid to lose. And it's scared it means that you're overly conscious of scarcity and risk and keeping up or exceeding others. So, yeah, we like to laugh about this as our, you know, this is our Singaporeans are like, right? But actually, there's a lot of truth in it. And it does not lead us to be content. Contentedness comes from a mindset of abundance and gratitude, which Pastor Pauline also preached about at the beginning of our series. And the more we spend time being grateful for what we have and then not so much feeling frustrated about what we don't have, the more we can cultivate that contentedness in ourselves for our own well-being. All right? So most recently, our, you know, our culture has been moving away from acquiring stuff, possessions, to the building of experiences. So you may have heard of YOLO, you only live once. FOMO, fear of missing out. Right. So, I mean, okay, it's a nice thing, you know. Take advantage, seize the day, do something new, go out of your comfort zone. Those are great, right? But YOLO, but especially FOMO, right, this doesn't lead us to contentment either. Because actually it drives us to spend money to keep up with friends. It also kind of uh, incentivizes us to make impulsive purchases. So ultimately, it's not actually the building of experiences that will enrich us, but the building of relationships. At the end of our lives, it's not where we have been, what we have done that matters most. It's who we have loved and who loves us. So we have to stop comparing ourselves with others who are ahead of us financially because that's a recipe for discontentment. And to be content is actually to trust God to provide for our daily needs, to be grateful, as we sang, to give thanks for all that God has given to us and trusting that God will continue to provide for us. So Jesus says, do not worry about what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear. For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So that was the second principle, which is contentment. And the third principle is to be rich towards God. So this goes back to a parable Jesus told. Uh, Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Basically, he's saying, hey, my brother stole my money, okay? Can you tell him off? And Jesus said, man, man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed because life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And then he told them this story, this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded abundant harvest and he thought to himself, That's a very complicated phrase, right? Actually, if you Google that, you get thousands of answers, and they're all different, right? So that means people don't really agree on what it means to be rich towards God. So let me offer my interpretation here. Jesus is contrasting two opposite positions. On one hand, you have the rich man who stored up things for himself. On the opposite, you have giving what we have towards God's kingdom and God's values. contributing towards shalom, the restoration of people, relationships, our society, and our world. So the rich man is actually called a fool, even though he's actually quite sensible from a common sense point of view. He invested in his own comfort and future. But in God's economy, it was revealed to be spiritually meaningless. So we look at another verse that Paul wrote in Timothy again. It says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, So interestingly, Paul is not saying that being rich is a sin. In fact, he says it's okay. It's okay to be rich, right? As long as you are using it not just for yourself, you're sharing. right? We understand Jesus said being rich is a liability. right? He says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. So yes, it's, maybe it's a liability to be rich, but it's also a responsibility and an opportunity. Because Jesus says, for whom, to whom much is given... Much shall be required. And to, for to whom much has been committed, much more will be requested. So, Paul is saying that uh, you, you, know, you can be rich in good deeds, be generous, be willing to share. And that way, you're laying up a firm foundation. Now, think about the imagery of a firm foundation, right? It's stable, it's steady. You know, what you are building here will last for eternity. So, Pastor Pauline preached last week about. Life-giving, right? Acting in ways that are life-giving for yourselves and for others. And in the same way, generosity and trusting in God, contributing towards God's work, that is life-giving, enables us, as Paul says, to take hold of the life that is truly life. Abundant life. So let's recap. We've talked about three principles. Stewardship, the idea that all we have belongs to God and is for God. We've talked about contentment, which is to be less giasu, Less FOMO, more gratitude, and recognizing God provides for us abundantly. And then lastly, we talked about being rich towards God, to invest in God's kingdom and towards God's priorities. So you might be thinking, okay, I've heard all that before. Maybe you agree, but how do you actually do it? How do you live out these values? Okay, I am not a professional financial planner. In fact, some of you out there are financial planners, okay? But so I will just share a few tips that I and my family try to live by and take this as guidance, okay? So think about it. You can talk about it with people you trust and chew on it a bit more. So three tips. Firstly, intentionally live at the lower end of your socioeconomic class. Okay, socio-economic class, or S-E-S, socioeconomic status, that's a term we use in Singapore, to kind of talk about the sort of the people you mix with, like the friends, your co-workers, who are similar to you in income. Right? That's your SES. Now, within every SES, try to live at the lower end of that. Okay? There are Christians in every SES. We have Christians who are millionaires, maybe. Christians who, are, uh, who work in the Hawker Center. It, it's, it's okay. It's okay for the Christians to be in every arena, right? Because... We want to be God's light and salt in the world, everywhere. But being in an SES comes with certain expectations on how you dress, how you socialize, where you go, how you live, right? So it sort of depends on your profession or your social circle. Like maybe if you're a lawyer, you do need to wear a nice suit to look presentable at work, right? So there are certain expenses that are required to be part of that SES, but you can also let your life be an example of simple living. So it's not like... Hoard more savings for ourselves just for fun. It's so that we can have more leeway to share. As Gandhi said, live simply so that others may simply live. And Gandhi did not say, live simply so you can retire at 40. Okay, it's live simply so that others can simply live. Um, So okay, that was the first one. Second, be conscious of lifestyle inflation. Right, this is something we often maybe even not aware of. But when your income increases, you're also, usually, we increase our expenses and our uh, expenditure on non-essentials. So things that were former luxuries become the new necessities. And it's not wrong for us to want to improve our standard of living. But the key is always to balance. Balance your spending with your saving and your giving, so that your increased income doesn't all go into spending. And you might even think of your increased income as an opportunity to give more, to bless others more. Or even to save more as well. So those are just two tips. And then the third thing you can ask—we need to ask ourselves—is how much should I give to God? What is en- how much should I save for the future, and what is enough? I think these are quite tough questions, right? Uh, and so this is where the sermon is going to get a bit unusual, because I would like us to do a small math activity. Okay. <laughs> So the first thing I'd like us to do is calculate your monthly household income per person. Okay, So what this means is you need to consider two things. First of all, your monthly household income and your household size. So your monthly household income is your gross pay. So whatever it is um, on your payment contract, right? usually in Singapore, 20% of your pay goes to CPF, and then employer will top up another 17%. So your gross pay is your pay... Plus the 20% that you contribute to CPF. Okay, that's your gross pay. Um, now, household size is uh, it doesn't include your housemates, it doesn't include helpers, but it includes children and elderly de- parents who depend on you, who have no income. These are people, your dependents. Okay, so we take a few examples. Let's say in A, the first example: a person is living alone, um, so th- their household income. Divide by one is just that, it's their gross income. And if you live with like other, like maybe you live with your parents or your housemates, but you are fully responsible for your own expenses, then you are that one person. Second example is you're living with a partner. Both of you are working, um, but you have no dependents. Okay, so take your income, combine it together, divide by two. That's your household income per person. The third case is you are single, but you're taking care of someone, your parent then take your income and divide it by two, because now your income has to support two people. And then in the last case, maybe you have a partner who is working, you have two kids, then combine your income together, divide by four, because now it has to support four people. And if you have no income at all, because you're a student or unemployed, then just consider your income to be zero. Okay, so for this exercise, don't need to be super exact, just a rough number will do. Okay, so, has everyone got that number in their head? You figured it out? Okay. Now, this is my request to you. Again, completely anonymous. We would like to find out who we are as a congregation. How do we stand in compared to most of Singapore? So take your income and put it into one of these ranges, and then let's see how we are. And thank you to all those who are doing this. Because I know, okay, you've probably never been asked this in church before, and you probably never will again. This is quite an unusual exercise that we're doing here. So far, 35 responses. Very interesting. We were wondering, I'm actually genuinely curious to find out how this is going to be. Is it going to be a bell curve? Are we going to be all at one end, one at the other end? Or where are we? So thank you, thank you for contributing to this little survey. Okay, quite interesting. So we have people pretty evenly spread around the the, three, the four bars in the middle. We have quite a few people at the upper end, some at the lower. All right, so wow, sixty seven responses. Thank you so much. Great. This is awesome data. OK, so Now you you might be wondering why the ranges so weird, right? Why these strange numbers? These numbers represent deciles, or what's called 10% of Singaporeans. So that means within each range, 10% of households in Singapore fall into each category. Okay, so if we were a perfectly representative sample of Singapore, we should all all the bars should be flat. Um, But I guess what we see here is that. Um, in the upper end, we have almost double what we have, and then there's uh, quite a bit in the middle. At the lower end, there's n- not too many, but then there are some at the very, very low end. So um, this is very interesting. Okay, I, Maybe it's interesting to you as well. So this gives us a sense of how we as a church compare to Singapore in general. And when we think about what's enough to live on, we can also think about what other people are living on. right? So if you chose 4,600 4, and above, you are richer than 70% of households in Singapore. If you chose 3,200 and above, you're richer than 50% of households in Singapore. Right, so if you feel like you're struggling, well, there are people who are struggling even more. Okay, so with all this in mind, I'd like to offer you this formula, which I first heard in a sermon in Boston back in 2015, and I actually found it pretty helpful. So again, it's not financial planning advice, This is an approximate guideline. Um, So what I'd like to suggest is, first of all, we take a line of income, and we set it a little above the median income after deducting the 20% CPF, right? So that blue bar is the CPF that it doesn't come to you. It's not part of your take-home pay, right? Because the employer will take it out, put it into a CPF. So let's say you're a single person earning around 5,000. 1,000 automatically gets deducted. And so take that 4,000 that's remaining, and then split it into three different groups. Spend 70%. This is for meeting your needs. Right? You need food, rent, utilities, clothing, medical, transport. That's around 50% of that 70%, and then 20% for fund expenditures once, like entertainment, vacation, eating out. So that spendi- expenditure comes to 70%. Then try to save 20%, and this is to build up an emergency fund you should probably try to get about three to five months of cash in the bank for emergencies, the rest you invest, right? and then try to aim for 10% giving. So that will come to your 4000 So for an like, example of a single person who makes $4,000 take home pay, try to aim to budget around 400 a month of giving, or $100 a week. Now, if you make a lot less than this, then maybe 10% is difficult because right, you, you know, your, your needs are still there, even as your income goes down. In which case, I'd like to recommend aiming for at least 5% of giving. So as your income increases, okay, and then as you do it for a couple, you would just double that for a family, maybe a little bit different, but you can see the percentages are there. So again, meet your needs, 70%. Aim to save, 20%. Aim to give, 10%. Now, as your income goes above this 5,000, then consider trying to restrain your lifestyle inflation, right? So allow yourself to give more and save more. So take your income then and divide it into three, equally, 33% each. Give, save, and spend. And so I found this guideline personally helpful because it provides a balance. Some of us are more inclined to save. Maybe we were brought up to be very frugal, to be very stingy, and we're so afraid of being in need in the future. And so even if we make a very small purchase, we feel very guilty about it. If that's you, then remember it's okay to enjoy what God has provided. Do spend a bit more on yourself. Do take care of yourself. But then some of us may be inclined to spend impulsively, and we don't think about the future. So that's the other side. So if that's you, then consider the call to live simply. And so wherever you are, this guideline is just a reminder to give regularly and give faithfully. Because we tend to underestimate the joy that comes from giving. Especially when you're giving to something where you, you know, right? You know what it's going to. There's actually a lot of joy in that. And where do you give? Well, that's up to you. So I would encourage you to think about what your personal mission, what is God calling you to do with your life? What do you feel passionate about? And how does it connect to God's work of shalom in the world? Right? So then when you figure that out, then spread your giving among various causes and organizations that you support. And you will actually experience quite a bit of joy when you do that, surprisingly. Now, I have to be also very upfront. Here's the part where we do ask for your help, okay? So FCC does need your help, and I want to show you FCC's budget in 2023. Okay, so this is, out of all the money we collect, this is where it goes. Um, the dark blue part, that 44% goes to our staff salaries. That's actually where most of our money goes. And if you think the FCC is doing financially well and our pastors are being well paid, it's actually not the case. Okay? We, we continue to struggle to collect what we need every month. In fact, we're almost always behind. And we're constantly asking everyone to give more, just so we can pay our bills. And then some years, we don't even manage to collect what we budgeted. So the truth is, FCC is actually very much reliant on a few major, regular donors. And if you're one of them, it's really wonderful. Thank you so much. But the problem is this is Singapore. So people come, people go. They go leave to go overseas to work. They return to their home countries. And whenever a large donor leaves, then the board starts sweating <laughs> because they're like, oh, no, there's a giant hole in the budget When every time that happens. And so th- this chart, right, will show, show our pastoral salaries compared against median income. So the line in red is Singapore's median income, which means if you take all Singaporeans and you take the middle person, right, you arrange them from lowest to highest and you take the middle person, that middle person is earning in the red line. Right? So in 2022, excluding the employer, the 17%, right? the gross pay for that person was 4225 a month. That's the median income in Singapore. Now, of course, we try to pay our pastors um, as best as we can. So as you can see, our pastoral salary in the blue line has always been just slightly above the median income by around $500, $600. Uh, Towards COVID period, it actually started to get closer together. Um, And so, okay, at this point, we are only $400 above median income for what our pastors are paid, which is $4,610 in 2022. In 2023, it's $4,840. We don't have the median data for that yet. Um, but if you, so you think, okay, well, that's not too bad, right? They're actually getting paid above median. But when you think about people who are of the 40 to 50 year age range, people who have a degree, that median income actually jumps up to 8,000 to 9,000 range. So the point I'm trying to make, and also why the pastors are not saying this to you, I'm the one saying this to you, is because Pastor Miak and Pastor Pauline have made financial sacrifices to be here. Right, This is not something we talk about very much. And I feel like we can and should do everything we can to pay our pastors fairly. And it's the least we can do because of the way they have poured their lives into our community and given us, they've given up better paying opportunities to be here, to be our shepherds. And so if... Given that, you, as you can see, our congregation does tend to be a bit skewing towards the higher income brackets, I think we could do better, right? but we do need your help to do that. So in 2024, we're going to form a committee to review the pastor's salaries, to benchmark them against other religious institutions, and if we discover that we need to increase their pay, which I think we do, we cannot do that without everyone's help. And beyond just the pastoral salaries, FCC also fulfills a vital role in Singapore, in Christianity in Singapore. These are just a few things that we do that are unique in Singapore. We welcome LGBTQ Christians here to worship in safety, and we say, welcome home. We're not going to judge you. You do not need to suppress your orientation, your gender identity to worship here. Nowhere else in Singapore can you, well, openly do that, right? This is also a place where we can explore progressive theology, you can come here with your questions, there's no question too irreverent. You can ask your questions and we will try to answer them in a non-judgmental environment. Right? And we make room for all kinds of different theologies here. We're also a prophetic voice. We speak out at a national level. We speak out, Pastor Miak has spoken out in the media, uh, we've been a Pink Dot. We speak out at a national level to show that not all Christians are bigots, right? not, not all Christians hate. We call out social injustice. We call out marginalization. And we are a place where we can work with other faiths. Like a lot of Christians are like, no, these other faiths, you know, I'm not going to work with them. They're suspicious of them. We are actually quite open and welcoming to people of other faiths. We seek to understand and learn from them and work together with them. And then we minister to those who are ignored by society. The tea shelter, transgender, elderly, Um, people living with HIV, and those who are mentally ill, these are people we especially try to reach out to and minister to. So if we had the means to increase our budget, we could even do more. We could have more frequent live worship, right? We all love the live worship. It does cost money to do. We could repair some of our broken equipment. We could make our space more accessible. right? We don't even have accessible toilets here. Or we can even do more to outreach to people outside FCC or outside Singapore. We can go to conferences, join with partners overseas to do that. But we can only do this with all your help. So I really hope that you know, since you're here today, your, our church's mission aligns with your personal mission in some way. So you'll consider investing your gifts, your time, and your money into it. And actually, so many of you already do. Right? This morning, we're up here preparing for service. There's a huge circle of people here who have volunteered to make this happen. And so I already know that all, so many of you have are pouring your lives into this community. And I just hope you know how much impact you're making. You know, all the people we reach with this service who have never stepped in here, but are watching our service online and being blessed by it, it only is possible because of all the volunteers who are here who are doing this. So I hope in this new year, as we come to the new year, we often think about our budget, our bonuses, that you'll pray about how much you're giving. And if at all possible, do consider aiming for that 5%, aiming for that 10% if you have the means. And I was just doing a simple calculation. If all FCC members would give a minimum of 400, we could exceed our budget by 65%. Okay? We wouldn't be like, hey, every month hey, we're behind, please. please. You know? So this is not a mandate. I'm not trying to coerce you. I please hope you're not coerced by this or feeling guilty at this point. You're always welcome here no matter how much you give financially because you also can give up your time and your skills, and these are all valuable and appreciated. So I'm actually taking the risk to share this today because I believe in FCC's mission. I hope you do too. And I really would like to increase our pastor's salaries so that we can show that care to them. Um, And if you have any questions on this, you can leave your feedback here or come and talk to me after the sermon. Uh, We don't have time to do a mentee response, but actually I would love your feedback. You know, if you thought, hey, this is good advice, maybe I can consider it, or maybe you say, yeah, please don't ever preach about this again, I'm so triggered, I'm so turned off, I thought coming here was different, then please also say that there, okay? But um, wherever we are, I just pray that we will be inspired to give of our resources, our time, um, our lives, out of gratitude for what God has done for us. Amen.
7: Let us prepare our hearts and minds for a time of Holy Communion. For those joining online, now may be a good time to prepare your own elements so that we can partake together. We gather each Sunday at this table, even though at this time we are all not physically together. The table of God's Feast transcends time and space, because God's love transcends all boundaries. So this table recognizes no boundaries. Here at FCC, we celebrate an open table, This means that you do not have to meet any criteria. You do not have to be a member of FCC. You do not have to be baptized. You only need to recognize that God's grace is sufficient. When Jesus sat at the tables and broke bread with tax collectors, lawyers, rich elites, and poor peasants, he proclaimed that God's radical love and abiding presence know no bounds. Through these occasions of sharing food, every person experiences God and shared in God's kingdom. A kingdom where all are welcome, all are worthy, and all are invited. A kingdom where lives are transformed and empowered, and the fruits of God's gentle justice bloom throughout creation. All people, including each of us, are invited to share in this sacred meal of celebration and be strengthened by the presence of God in this place. We remember remember that Jesus fed 5,000 hungry hungry people with 5 loaves of bread and and 2 fish. At this miraculous meal, there was such an abundance that everyone ate until they were full, and there were even 12 baskets of food left over. Holy Holy God, we we celebrate your abundant abundant care and and solidarity solidarity revealed in this meal. We remember that while sharing a meal with Pharisees, Jesus welcomed a woman viewed as an outsider. As the woman anointed his feet with oil, Jesus declared her dignity before everyone at the meal. Holy Holy God, God, we we celebrate celebrate your gracious inclusiveness revealed in this meal. meal. At these meals, Jesus and all his disciples resisted the divisions, injustice and violence of society. They they lived out instead instead the Kingdom kingdom of of God, God, a place of love, justice, and mutuality. mutuality. But we also recognize that not all people liked Jesus' ministry. For some people, it was scandalous. They They said, look, a a glutton glutton and and a drunkard, a friend friend of tax collectors and and sinners." sinners. When his arrest seemed near, Jesus ate a meal in an upper room with the disciples. As he had done so many times before. He took bread, and after having given thanks to you, holy God, he broke it and gave it to the disciples, this time saying, do this to remember me. After the meal, he shed the wine, gave thanks and said, I will not drink from this cup again until I drink it with you in the kingdom of God. May I invite the stewards to help distribute the elements? Jesus was then unjustly killed by the systems of domination of his day. To some of his frightened disciples, it seemed that the bread symbolized his broken body and the wine his blood. God, the Kingdom of God persisted and persists today through the many people who seek to be your resurrection community. Holy God, in the sharing of this bread and wine, we joyfully celebrate the hope-inspiring ministry and resurrection of jesus christ let us partake of the elements together may i invite you to stand in body and spirit all spirit for the prayer of communion together. Gracious God, God, may this meal be for us, for us and Emmaus, Emmaus meal, where, where we encounter your presence in, in the sharing, sharing of, of this meat, food, as, as the disciples, disciples did at, at their meal in Emmaus. Emmaus. May the sharing of this food be a taste of your kingdom, holy God, so we may be strengthened to be your joyful and hopeful disciples. And, and may we share, share in your kingdom, your kingdom of love, justice and, and mutuality, and mutuality with, with those around us. us. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. You may pass the cups to the end of the aisles and the stewards will collect them.
0: Thank you Kenneth for leading us to um, communion and I'd like to thank David for really a powerful sermon. It's not a easy one, I must say, and I hope it gives everybody a a lot of of afterthoughts and our relationship, our belief, um, about money, and how that um, is involved in the life in the community as a church. So we we would like to welcome everybody home, all right, um, to this sacred space where we are God's family, all right, those who are joining us for the first time, next slide please, all right. I'd like to welcome you to Free Community Church, where free stands for first realise everyone's equal, regardless of your sexuality, your gender identity, your social economic status, whether you give or you are receiving in this community, you are loved, you are welcome, you are worthy and enough. I'd like to welcome all of us. in this space to worship together. I am Jimmy, your worship leader for today. And those who are new with us, I'd like to invite you to take up your phone or if you're online with us, go to FCC.ly slash welcome. This will help us to understand um, who you are, how we can serve you better and also invite you to our newcomers meeting that's happening next week on the 26th of November after the Sunday service. If you are interested, uh, if you have been with us for probably a few times but have not joined us or filled out the form, um, do encourage you to know us better by going to uh, by signing up or emailing at info at freecomchurch.org. Next, we move on to worshiping God through our giving and thanks, uh, our offering and thanksgiving. Now, after a sermon about money, we have to be gentle with ourselves on this because we 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 are not a church. I say, oh, okay, round you up there after that I pass the offering back around. No, so let's go through some of the admin you can give to the... Uh, we're actually encouraging people to give the general fund all right, um, at this point all right, because the general fund is actually falling behind the, 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 uh, our target. So please take out your phone and give to our general fund and our building fund all right? by scanning the QR code or if you're giving a credit card, you can go to freecommentchurch.gift.asia However, just take note there is 1.5% uh, uh, of admin charges. All right, that comes with uh, the platform. So as you are, you prepare yourself for the giving, all right. like all of us, before you even like you know, like as you're completing a transaction or if you really have decided in your mind how you want to give, I still invite you to go through this meditation with me. Be gentle with yourself in your giving. Maybe you may be feeling discomfort from the sermon earlier. Alright? And, and that is okay. Tell yourself that it's okay. Because every discomfort and every experience we have in life can be an opportunity for us to learn something about ourselves, about our world, about where we are in our interaction with others and ourselves. So, I invite you to pray with me as a as I say the prayer for thanksgiving and offering, I want all of us, invite you and I, to take notice of our experience, what we are feeling in our body. Are there any discomfort as we pray about money and thanksgiving? Does it feel genuine and authentic? Or do you feel like, ah, I'm not enough. I don't know, I'm struggling with this. And as you recognise these thoughts and feelings, tell yourself, And that is okay. And that is what it means to be human. Last prayer. God, our provider and protector, as we gather in your presence, we offer our thanks for the abundance you provide. Today, we reflect on the role of money in our lives seeking to align our beliefs, our attitudes, and our behaviour with your wisdom. Teach us, Lord, to use our resources wisely, not as a measure of our worth, but as tools for your kingdom. May our financial decisions be guided by your love, your generosity, your justice help us remember that true, love, true wealth lies in our relationship with you and with each other. In our giving and receiving, let us embody the Spirit of Christ who enriches our lives beyond measure. Bless these offerings, Lord, as a symbol of our commitment to bear witness to your goodness and your love. May they support the work of your church and extend your love to those in need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May I invite the stewards to come forward for those who are giving are dropping your cash or check all right you may raise your hand and um, the stewards come to you to take up the offering. Next, we move on to announcement. There's a number of announcements, so we'll keep it quick. Um, Tima is back. So for the month of November and December, we are have uh, taking up a group buy um, initiative. So please scan the QR code. You can pick up the items. Of all items, close. Okay, all items have been taken up. Give yourself a clap, right? A round of applause. Really, this is a show of the love from the community. And I am so having goosebumps and so excited uh, about this. So, the close, the, even the items are taken up before the closing date. So, the next thing is delivery date is on the 3rd of December. If you would like to be involved, if you'd like to contribute in some way to help out, all right, you can reach out to Kin on the number shown on the screen. All right, and so that you can, know you can also have the draw be involved in the joint of bringing the items to those, the beneficiaries. Next. There's a new online cell group, right? We what we are continuing, continually looking for new ways to serve communities within the walls and beyond. So there are many of um, people, I mean brothers and sisters and siblings who join us internationally, remotely, right, for various reasons. They may be in country or out of sight of country at different time zones, right? They but they have a natural need, all right, to be connected with a spiritual community. So if that speaks to you, right? Join us or our new online selling group starting in 22-4. Right? Sign up at fcc.li slash newonlinecg. Easy to remember. fcc.li slash newonlinecg. So if you know your friends, right, they are overseas and they have been listening to our sermon on YouTube and you know that they are not in any cell group or they, have, they are not that connected with the rest, all right. Send this link to them and encourage them to sign up. Next, we have the woman potluck lunch. All right, today is the closing date. All right, it's happening on the 3rd of December, um, after service or at 12:30. Do take note that you know register at lcc.li/ace by night, by today. All right, the reason being there's a lot of logistic preparation. All right, um, to handle. So, do avoid um, any like, you know, turn out last minute, then, a bit Singaporean say, it's like, go there, hey, everybody got food, bento, everything, then, go there, and breathe air, right, not very nice. So, please, if you are interested, right, do scan the QR code, or go to Ace to sign up by today, alright, for those who are identified as genderqueer, non-binary, or transgender, all are welcome. The next announcement is on um, the Bible studies uh, opportunity with the Mandarin ministry. The following, the following um, announcement will be made uh, first in English, then in Mandarin. Right, the Chinese ministry is continuing its, their, their third Mandarin seminar, Bible studies on the teaching of Jesus Christ in me. And this seminar will talk about, this Bible study opportunity will talk, discuss about the foundations of salvation, spiritual growth and Christian living. It will consist of two sessions over two Tuesdays evenings here at FCC. All right. According to that, that will be on the 28th of November and 12th of December. So all are welcome. The Chinese group the third of the Chinese Bible study. The theme is the Chang Sai Sing Chi the Wan Shang the workshop So just go to uh, just come on the day. I don't think you need to sign up. You just have to turn up and bring yourself and be ready to live out Christian living. Okay. Next. Lunch khakis. Today's lunch khakis, all right. We we have Gordon and Lexi. Lunch khaki is an initiative. So Gordon's at the back, right? Our handsome friend over there, standing at the back, Amen, right? And Lexi, very shy, with her hands up, okay? For those who are joining us in person, alright, And your first time here, or this may be the second or third time, and you don't have a, someone close or you feel safe to have lunch with, approach our well-trained, warm and welcoming <laughs> lunch khakis, all right? And well-trained. Co- train, not train you to eat, la, train you in a conversation to make you feel welcome, okay? So, this will be an opportunity for you to get connected through you know, uh, intention, uh, people who are intentional in welcoming you, okay? Last but never the least, an announcement on our pastors. Right? Our pastors are taking their annual leave March-deserved break. Can we have an amen and woo in the house to... We recognize all the hard work they have done over the years. Right? They have not been given a, had the opportunity to let themselves take a step back and say, "I need to breathe. I need to care for myself too." So, let's take note. Pauline will be away on the twentieth, twenty-second uh, of November until the twenty-eighth of November, and then once Pauline is back, Miak is. Um, will be away on the twenty-eighth of November until the twenty-first of December. But Bianca is actually flying out on the evening of the 27th. Alright? So while we know about this, I like to invite our whole community, the cell groups, to keep our pastors in prayer. Alright. To show our love for them, as much as they have shown their love for all of us. All right? The next part, I like to invite Pauline to come forth to, to share with us something in store for the next season, which is Christmas. Thank you, Pauline.
8: Oh, <laughs> Thanks, Jimmy. So I'm sure many of you are curious, what are we going to do as a church for Christmas this year? And so I wanted to let you know early, this is actually not our finalised publicity uh, slide, okay? Our design and communications team is actually working on the finalised version, but we, we use a placeholder one just so that we can communicate this with you so you know Uh, And you can prepare for it, you can invite friends and family. So this year we'll be doing something different. Instead of a Christmas Day service, we'll be doing a Christmas Eve service. And that's partly because Christmas Eve falls on a Sunday. And we wanted to do an evening service for a change. And so what we'll be doing is that we're going to have a bilingual candlelight service. uh, And we'll have dinner after that together. All right, so it starts at 5pm on Christmas Eve, Sunday 24th, December and we're going to celebrate and remember the wonder of Christmas together So imagine more, uh, come, uh, find out, get, come and participate bring your friends, bring your family All right, and together let's remember the wonder of Christmas all right? um, And now we want to celebrate our November babies We have many November babies and so for those of you who are here in person, come, come, come. Come, Davian. Please come down. We want to sing for you. We want to pray for you. Come, Will, come. And we have a gigantic cake today. <laughs> Very beautiful cake, right? So Jeff wanted me to tell you especially that please don't leave without eating this cake. This cake is special, okay? You know why it's special? Other than the fact that it's gigantic. Uh, not really. <laughs> Although that would be special too. It's a vegan cake, okay? So if you have never had a vegan cake, you must try this, okay? It will be delicious, right? Mm-hmm. Who made it? <laughs> you can ask Jeff where he got it, okay? <laughs> Thanks so much. <laughs> Oops.
4: No guess.
8: No guess. Oh, no. Yeah, no! How come it's like disappearing? That's so weird. <laughs> I know. Okay. 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 You've got it. Thank you. No. Thank yeah. You. Thank you. Later, don't worry. <laughs> um. Shall we pray for our siblings first? Okay, and then we'll sing for them. Okay. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, how precious each. Of us is in your eyes. I can imagine how you watch over each one of us, how you look at each one of us with such pride, such love, such grace. And we look at our siblings today and all of those who are not here present, but we want to celebrate them in the same way to celebrate their lives, to celebrate your gift in them as well as the gift of who they are in our community. And we pray that, God, you will continue to watch over each one of them, that you watch over their life, watch over their work, watch over their relationships, watch over their futures, watch over all that you're placing in their hearts. And we pray that more and more, that together with them, that we truly would find the real treasure in our hearts in you. And so, God, we want commit them into your hands. We pray for your wisdom, your joy, your peace, your rich blessings upon their lives, each one of them, that you'll watch over them in their steps ahead, that you'll guide them, that you'll lead them, that their lives will be a tremendous embodiment of your love for the world, that wherever you send them, that they may be a blessing to the people that you place in their lives. So God, we just thank you for each one of them. We celebrate them. We pour our love to them, uh, even as we pray this prayer for them. As we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we sing together? And we'll have the worship team also sing with us. Maybe worship team can come up because you're going to do your last song anyway. Come. Yeah, better not have me sing uh, (laughs) by myself. (laughs) Okay, are we ready? Yay! Happy birthday to you Happy birthday to you Happy birthday, happy birthday Happy birthday to you Yay! Make a wish! thank you. God bless you all. Okay, and so I want to invite the worship team to lead us in our last song before a benediction.
1: Okay. Uh, now that's rise for our closing song. Um, as you think too about the blessings that God has bestowed upon us and, and how we want to play that role to be a steward of these resources.
3: the holy one, give thanks, because he's given Jesus Christ, his Son. Give thanks with a grateful heart Give thanks to the Holy One Give thanks because it's given Jesus Christ, His Son is given Jesus, Jesus.
8: God indeed we give thanks with all of our hearts, our souls, our minds, our strength. We give thanks because God you gave us all. You breathed your life into us. You poured out your love and your grace into our lives and so God we give thanks by living our lives for you, by being good stewards of all that you've given us our time, our money, our resources, our energy, all of our lives, God. Help us. Help us truly live out what it means to be grateful stewards in our world today. And so God, as a community, we come to you. And we say, God, we belong to you. And we align with you. We want to be like you. And so make us more like Christ each and every day. And so now go. Go as God's grateful stewards into this world so that God's love and light will shine through you. And may God's love go with you both now and always. Amen. So, Thank you for joining us for service today. Go and may God's blessings and presence go with you.